Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 102, and I'm your host, Nick Ortego. This week, we'll tell you about a new game that's helping students take trips around the world, and should ride-sharing programs like Uber and Lyft be allowed to pick up kids in place of their parents? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, the teens are not all right. Our guest tells us what we should be doing about the excessive workloads and cram schedules that teens are facing today. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortego here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lissa, how are you doing? I'm great. How was your Memorial Day? Good, but I have to go back to school for two more days. I'm sorry, three more days is this with because no of children. W- is this weather related? Yes. We had teachers your have penance. to do makeup days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like falling on the sword for the kids. The kids got out Friday, but we still go back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with no children. Wow. And Yeah. There's, there's not enough to what, do so, all day. So to the person that doesn't work in a school system, what are you doing on those days? Well, uh, there's a lot of getting prepared for the next school year. There's a yeah. lot of cum folders, cumulative folders that travel yeah. grade to grade with the children that have to be finalized. And But for me, an art teacher, it's, there, you know, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot yeah. to do. You're like for three taking days. stuff down, right? Yeah. Do they kick you out of your classroom? Or yeah, you everybody has up? to pack up their classroom. There's yeah. a lot of people moving at my school this year. Within the school, they're moving to new rooms and stuff. Okay. So they'll that will all be taking place. We have to get everything off the floors for it to be waxed over the summer and clean things out. But again, in my art class, it is, you know, I might be rollerblading down the halls or something. That's cool. I didn't know you could rollerblade. I can't. This will be fun then. I hope someone gets video. We'll share it on the uh, Twitter account, the old Class Dismiss Pod account. Um, Are you ready for the teacher's lounge? Is it quiet in the teacher's lounge with school ending? Oh, no, no. No, still going on. (laughs) Um, Okay. How good are you at geography? I'm terrible. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty bad. Okay. Um, and, and mostly because I just think geography is boring yeah. and it doesn't really relate to me. A lot of it doesn't, you know, it's hard for me. I'm a kind of a visual person kind of. And so it's like, well, like I mean, some I, of those what about places. like map puzzles and stuff though? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with those. But yeah. again. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Let me, let's just figure this out. Can you like, if I gave you a map puzzle of the United States without any words on it, could you put it together? Well, seeing as how it's a puzzle and they fit or don't fit, then I would do Pretty good, but I will be honest. That Midwest, oh, I get really? a little like lost Utah, in Wyoming, those Colorado, areas. Or yep. are you talking more like Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma? You don't even know. No, you know I'm idea. talking northern or there. Like yes, okay. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, those areas up there. Well, that's to the northwest. Up there, they, they Arizona's to the west. I said northwest. Well, Arizona's due west. Okay, Normal. great. Um, anyway, I, so yeah, I do struggle with that, but I mean, I really struggle. My mom has lived all over the world. Yeah. And so she's, she likes to really 
you know, pop people on the nose, and right. they're like, "Oh, Pakistan! Oh, yeah. I bet it was like a desert there." And she's like, yeah. "Actually, no, there's no desert at all. It's right. actually very lush and green." And so, and like, I'm like, "Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know some of those things too." Anyway, but I did not know about this game, and it's pretty cool. Microsoft has kind of pushed it out there, but it's been going on for a while. It's a Skype game. Okay, like Skype, like the communication tool. Skype, like, yeah, you Skype another classroom, which people have done that before where you Skype a child in China, right. you know, and oh, it's so cute. Well, this is like mystery Skype. Okay. And so you get your class to ah, Skype with another with class, and you can only write, you can only ask yes or no questions to this other class, like, and you're trying to figure out where they are. Yeah. And so you say, like, are you near a large body of water? Yes right. or no? Are you in a dry climate? Yes or no? It's like 21 questions, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes these Skype things can go on for like an hour or two. So as we're, some of you are still in school. Yeah. You know, even though us in Mississippi, we're kind of finishing up. This is a great game to play. Especially towards the end, the end of the year. Yeah. Towards the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. So. And you could do it like. I think my my brain's just exploding here. Like you could do it where you're just in the United States. It could be that's right. It could be like Mississippi geography, right? Um, so I, that's yeah. what they say. They encourage the you to geography. start small, yeah. and and help build your children's geography knowledge, mm-hmm. ge- geographical knowledge, and then they kind of expand. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they go on forever to where they're finally like, "Oh, are you in you know Lexington, Kentucky?" And they're like, "Yeah." Yay! Like in the the other team, like the other team of children, it's like so excited because you finally guessed them. So of course you're researching the whole time. So you're doing. I mean, it does kind of campus a lot of different areas. Um, It. One teacher says that she likes to do mystery Skype because she's in a very rural area and the students all live the same lives. Right. They all look the same. Right. They all do the same things. And she's like, it just really bothers me that they just don't have an eye to the world. Like mm-hmm. they're so narrow-minded in ways and just, you know. So she loves just for them to just be talking to people from other places. Like they gave an example of a child saying that it took their, one of the questions was, how long does it take you to get to the grocery store? Mm-hmm. You know, so a child was like, an hour. Wow. You know, like it takes my mom an hour, which who knows if that was even really accurate. You yeah. know, I can just hear a kid be like, an hour. I mean, it takes me but, to get to the closest Walmart. It takes me 15, 20 minutes. Right. So like, that that was probably the yeah. question, one of the questions, because then they're pulling up maps of Walmarts. You know what I mean? Right. And so then the other, they asked the same question back to the other class. And they were like, well, we don't drive. My dad doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. So it's like, so they're like, York City, you're right? in it. And it was, it was yeah. in somewhere in, you know, in New York City. Um, but yeah. So they were yeah. like, what? Like, like kids are like, your parents don't have a driver's license. They don't know how to drive. Like, but there's no reason to. So anyway, it just sparks all kinds of discussions of understanding. And right. just, so I do love, the, I do love this. And so Microsoft, definitely started catching on that people were doing this Skype game. So they, they contacted they six teachers mm-hmm. that they know were big mystery Skypers and said, help us make a framework for this. We right. want pe- teachers that don't know how to start it to be able to come to our education site and get it going. So now they have mystery history Skype. Uh, wait, how would you do that? And so that's where your history class Skypes another history class. And you think your history class 
thinks of a major historical event. The other history class is thinking of a major historical event. And you're having to guess clues and then to finally be like it's the boston tea party you know wow, like okay, that okay and then i like geography better but that's cool <laughs> oh see i loved the history oh, one but okay. it, that's because it's stinking Teach zone. so and then there's the mystery number you can play in math okay. so that's where you're thinking of a number and your other math class has to ask you know yeah, is it prime but you could do that like <laughs> you and i could do that right here maybe yeah. maybe yeah. maybe um but, I mean, if you think about younger children, let's say in second grade, they're learning place value, and they're learning about even and odd, mm-hmm. and there's that's a good, fun thing to do with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, that's true. You know, so, you know, how many digit? you know, does it have five places, you right, know, past right. the decimal or whatever, so... Anyway, there are professional development courses through Microsoft where you can be, you can become a mastery... A, a, a mystery Skype master, master. Or a mastery of mystery Skyping. Yes. And so they have like little online courses, little video tutorials, ideas, worksheets, things yeah. like that, that the children can play along with. Like so I it's like this whole play. big old thing. I know. They, now the new big thing is to mystery Skype with a celebrity. Ooh, wow. So your classroom, yes, is you know it's fun to do another classroom, but there's actually been celebrities that have jumped on board to yeah. be like, hey, I want to. See yeah. if they can guess where I like am. Ed Sheeran sitting in Ireland somewhere. Yeah, because how do you know where Ed Sheeran is? He yeah. could be anywhere. Right, yeah. I don't know why you just went to his native country. He's everywhere. Is he? Is it Ireland? I think I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was pretty sure. I was kind of was kind of guessing. But Oh, but I mean, really, this is such a good thing. Microsoft, you know, of course, puts out this wonderful statement that just says, you know, 73% of eighth graders are less than proficient in geography. Mm-hmm. So this this mystery Skype geography was a way to boost it. And most of the time, it's because the teachers say they don't have time to teach geography. Um, and most of the time, geography is just a lot of memorization. So it doesn't mean anything to the children. And, you know, they may be able to list all the capitals in the United States, but then it doesn't mean anything to so them. So is anyone doing this internationally, as far as you oh, know? Oh, yeah, it's around the world. Okay, yeah. I mean, that would be really yeah. cool to, like, see a classroom yeah. from... Europe or they give, Southeast the, Asia. The advice they give is, obviously, it depends on what grade you're in, mm-hmm. but, you know, to start small within your state and then, you know, expand into your region and then mm-hmm. your whole nation and then a, a, around the world. But, you know, just, I mean, really, it just depends on how much the kids are really going for it. I mean, Man, how I'm, fun. I love this. I'm all about it. I think it's uh, maybe one of the cooler games. And it's not really like it's a... You know, it's not class craft. It's not like a design to be a game. No, made, it's just teachers came up with this. Yeah, they yes. made a game out of something, a resource that exists, and I think that's just too awesome. All right, so you you probably know about this already, but we're going to have a little discussion on whether or not it should be allowed, and that is, because apparently it's becoming a problem, WBRC um, news station out of Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm sure this is happening everywhere, is um, saying that Uber and Lyft are becoming pretty prevalent on school campuses because yeah. parents can't get their kids to or from school. And I think it's really the from school to home where it's really standing out. And um, this one Uber driver apparently went to the news and like, I'm getting called four or five times an hour to go to these these schools to pick up kids. And I keep canceling them because it's against Uber's policy to do it. Some of the other ride shares apparently do allow for it um, to take an underage child. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is if you live in New York City, um, it's normal, I think, for some kids to take public transportation to their Absolutely. to their class, whether that's the subway, the bus, yes, or whatever. To yeah. 
is is Uber creepy, I guess, or should we just accept it as this is just another form of public transportation? Well, I mean, it's not very public, so... It, um, it's, it is weird. I you mean, are yeah. alone, and, you know, the reason that Uber's not doing it is because you're, you, you know, that's a huge liability for them. It, right. Like, they, they can't be expected to know every single thing about, ev- you know, every driver. So if you have a young child, you know, or a middle school girl... And she's super flirty with the Uber driver. And then she goes and runs her mouth and says, you know, he was flirting with me. And then it blows up to this huge harassment thing. You know, that could be pretty bad. And so I, I, you know, I know that my son's in eighth grade and he had a friend Uber to school. He's 13. Would you let your 13 year old Uber by himself? Um, no. And he's a mature 13. And, and if I, no, no, I would not. And and it certainly wouldn't be to school. If I did ever let him Uber, it would be like if we were, you know, at a convention or something In somewhere and he was heading. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but but no, certainly not to school. Certainly not on a daily basis as part of our normal running around. Yeah, routine. but well, let's just say, let's just say you were in a, in a pinch, you know, no one could pick him up. You wouldn't say, just call an Uber. I, I don't think Uber is creepy. And I, you know, yeah. and I know my son could handle it but i think even my son might would be a little nervous about that but he did have a friend uber on the first day of school to school to school mm-hmm. are you seeing anyone get picked up i know you're at elementary so i guess no i'm not seeing not. anyone being picked up at an elementary but i know that um some local high schools have had trouble around here with uber eats or um waiter <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh-huh yeah delivering food Waiters to high like school uber eats. yeah yeah de- yeah um delivering food to high schools for, you know, kids there that are wanting lunch. (laughs) Yeah. And I could see that being a problem. Do you know if like your local high school, they stopped, stopped it or? Yeah. 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 They had to put out a bunch of stuff about it. Like it's not allowed. We will not accept it. You know, because you have to check in at the office. So, you know, like. (laughs) I mean, I guess, you know, some schools, kids can kind of like stroll to the edge of the campus or whatever. Maybe grab the. Not ours. But yeah. So, I mean, it is a problem. And I do think, I mean. Public transportation, yeah, you're, you know, there are kids that hop on a bus or a subway to get to school or whatever, um, but there's other people around too. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it any safer. Yeah. But there's eyewitnesses. If you scream for help, someone would hear you. But if you're in someone's car and it's just you and them, and they, you know, they're not taking you to school when that's where they were supposed to be taking you um, or taking you home then that could be pretty scary. If you're screaming, no one's going to hear you. You're, you yeah. have very little control. Um, so I could see why Uber says no. Yeah. From, you know, don't accept these standpoint. rides. Yeah. But I also can see where people are duping the Uber and Lyft drivers to where they think that they're picking up an adult, but they're not. Exactly. They might be using their parents' account, I'm pretty right? sure. And then you show up and it's, it's a child. So I think that's what this driver in, in this WBRC story was saying was like, if it's at the school, it's probably a kid, you know, um, even if it looks like an adult on the account. And that was the concern. I think he, um, you know, even complained to the district, like, can you guys like not right. stop this? He's asked Uber to basically like block off calls from geographically, you know? Yeah. Um, but from what I understand from this, the, the state school superintendent in Alabama said, um, the only thing that would really prohibit it is if like the state was to say no more ride sharing with schools and you don't want to shut it down completely because what if know. you're in a bond? Yeah. What if you're in a bond or you're an adult who's at a football game? Like you don't want to just say like geographically, That's true. That's true. you can't pick, pick anybody yeah. up. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I was just kind of wondering if this is going to be a growing issue. And then I wonder if we're not 
I know it seems weird that I'm saying this, but if we're not overreacting, is this just another form of public transportation that we're not used to yet? But well, but, yeah, I'm sure it know. is a little bit of that, and I'm and I'm sure it is each family's own decision of whether they're allowed. You know, I mean, honestly, sometimes kids have ridden with me after school, and I've never met their parents, don't know what their name is or anything, yeah. and they're trusting for their child to ride with me. So um, I could see where, you know, some families are probably like, nope, we're fine with this. Our kid's in 10th grade. He just doesn't have his license yet, and we're not going to drive them all around. You know, we're going to, yeah. if he needs a ride, we're going to pay it's, for that. Uber and Lyft blow my mind because, you know, um, I, I'm generalizing, but in the 50s and the 60s, um, it was normal to pick up a hitchhiker, right? Like, and you didn't mm-hmm. have anything to worry about. And then, you know, we grew up in the 80s and I'm sure your parents were like mine. They were like, well, we can't pick them up. You just don't know, you know, who right. you're picking up anymore. And, and you were worried. Um, but now strangers are literally picking up strangers. Right. And they're doing it and paying for it. And I, we're just at a weird time. Yeah. Um, but I've the, loved every Uber driver I've ever had. Yeah, I've had one that was real quiet. But other than that, yeah, I've never had a, a bad They've experience. They've always just been like, I love to ask them, like, so what do you do? Because we know that's not what they yeah. always do. And, and they always have an interesting story. Usually. Yeah, yeah. And I like to. I, I'm sure they get tired of, you know, having that conversation, though. I think I would. Probably. All right. Are you ready for the uh, bright idea? Yes. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is the author of Rethinking Homework and Rethinking Grading. Dr. Kathy Vatterot was recently featured on Educational Leadership with her article titled, The Teens Are Not All Right. And she's here to talk to us about the excessive workloads and crammed schedules that are putting a major stress load on teens today. Kathy, welcome to Class Dismissed. Great. Thank you. Nice to be here. There's an, uh, a line in your article that, that really kind of um, grabbed me. And you write, I see a teen e- epidemic of what I call a rudderless box checkers, four AP classes, check, debate team, check, two sports, check, honor roll, check. And you talk about how these students are just kind of going through the motions of, of doing all these things, but they're not necessarily happy when they're doing them. Uh, how did we get here? That's that's the ultimate question, isn't it? Um, I, I've been doing a lot of reading uh, about related sort of issues about college admissions and things like that. And I, I think what's happened is that we as a culture, ha- especially in highly affluent communities, have bought into an idea that if you don't get into these one of these 10 colleges, you're going to be a failure. And that we've connected that as like, this is the only way that you can be successful in your life. And and they've made this like an incredibly high stakes game for kids. It definitely wasn't like this when I was in school. And, and I think you cite some teachers um, where they're talking about just like how extreme some students are. So just in case if somebody listening isn't you know up to speed on this, it, you're basically saying that some kids are acting as if they get a B, it's like an F. Or um, you have this just extreme competition of, you know, trying to get into all those AP classes or be in multiple sports and stuff. And then if something goes wrong, these these teens are actually having meltdowns. Like, I mean, just breaking down into tears or, or you know, it's putting a lot of emphasis on being successful. Um, you know, is, is this really a problem that it just spreads everywhere? I mean, you were kind of focusing on like the, I guess you would call it the schools that are pushing in towards Ivy League schools. But is this is this across the board as well? I, I think there are there are students like that in many schools. Uh, this all came about from my work in consulting and working with with schools around the country, and I just saw kind of a different dynamic 
in schools that were considered highly competitive schools. So I'm sure there are students like that. And even my college students, I have some students that are just so anxious about everything having to be perfect. And so so I'm not sure that it's everywhere, but it's it's widespread from what I've seen. How much of the problem is homework? I think homework is a huge problem. And that is because we, we have this confusion in education that uh, rigor equals load, that if we want to be a rigorous course or a rigorous school, then they should have five hours of homework. And most of the research shows us that there's not a lot of benefit in high school after two hours a night. And the other thing that the research shows us is that most of this homework that students are getting, they don't feel is meaningful. And so one is a load issue, but the other thing that makes it stressful is that they're not seeing the importance of what they're doing. It's just work. How how do we fix that? How do we make, you know, teachers, I guess, lighten that load or, or hand out more meaningful homework? Well, that's what I do. That's you know, that's what I've been doing is working with schools and trying to explain to them that there's a better way to do this. I just I feel like teachers uh, have never been trained in homework and therefore they don't know what is considered quality tasks and that they that they all everybody has too much content to teach. And so teachers are saying, oh, my gosh, I have to put this on homework. That's the only way it's all going to get covered when, in fact, the more successful teachers have prioritized what they're covering and they do less. They do less content, but they cover it more deeply. What would you say to the, to the teacher that is defending the, the heavy homework load practice and saying, you know what, um, as you leave middle school and go into high school or as you leave high school and go to college, this is the way it's going to be. This is the real world. You're going to have to work really hard. So therefore, I'm just trying to prepare you for the future. Well, and that's really not the way we prepare students to do. We don't prepare students to do five hours of homework in college by giving them five hours of homework in high school. The way we prepare kids is to teach them the skills that they need to be able to to actually handle the work. But it's not about time. Time is not the metric. And my favorite line from that, I I talked to an elementary uh, teacher who said, well, then let's just let's just get rid of recess. They're not going to have recess in middle school. So then I guess we shouldn't have recess in elementary school. Uh, and that's that's really a good example. It's like every age level of, ch- of child is different developmentally and has different needs. And which kind of leads me to my next topic. You talk about, you list things that teens should be doing. And, um, and I don't want to like steal your thunder or anything. So if you want to elaborate on these as I go, but you talk about how important it is to, to read for pleasure, um, to, to play a game where winning doesn't matter. Yeah, I just, I was just so, um, when I started working on this article, I was just so taken aback at at what I don't see young people doing. I, I don't see them reading for pleasure. I don't see them, I, I'm laying out on my patio and I'm looking up at the clouds and I'm thinking, when do kids get to do this? When do kids get to just do something downtime, just to do downtime, just to do something where there is nothing productive happening. And I feel like that's part of how kids grow and develop their identities is by having that reflective time. 
So when you go and work with schools, do you think the problem is certain teachers or does it start with the leadership? Do, do Does the principal or the superintendent of the district need to come in and say, we need to set certain guidelines? Well, that's the dilemma because every school, I, I was a school principal in my past and every school leader struggles with how much standardization do I want in my school and how much freedom do I want to give teachers? And we all struggle with that because we know that teachers want a certain amount of freedom. And so part of that is is this dynamic between administrators and teachers. And actually, most of the time when I am brought in to work with schools, it is at the um, invitation of the administrators that, that they feel like teachers really just need more education about what is what is valuable homework and what is the right balance for kids. So I, I think it's I think it's usually coming from administrators who see the big picture where classroom teachers are pretty focused on their individual subjects and they're often not not thinking about the big picture. So I'm giving homework, but I don't think about the fact that so are the other five teachers that that student has if they're in middle school or high school. And so it seems like you carefully choose to say limit homework. You Are you not advocating for eliminating homework across the district altogether? No, not at all. I, I have to laugh because uh, every time I do an interview, someone will say, well, homework, are you for it or against it? Like there's only two choices. So right. no, I'm kind. I'm a middle of the road person that uh, believes that uh, some homework is beneficial but that we should be making it quality tasks and that we should uh, not be waving it so heavily in the grade that kids are cheating. And, you know, there's just all sorts of, uh, of caveats there. But no, I'm, I'm an, a middle of the road person that believes that some is good, but too much is not. And so can you give me a, a pro tip, so to speak, of like, how do you know that the homework you're handing out is meaningful? What do you tell teachers? Well, I, I have defined certain qualities uh, that make homework a, a quality task. And the first one, it, it's like, how much time do we have, right? Um, but the, the big thing is that there should be a learning goal attached to that assignment. Nothing should go home without the student and parents specifically understanding what the goal of that assignment is. And then there needs to be some choice involved for the student to get to that goal. So we tend to think um, we tend to think our tasks are infallible. Like uh, everyone should um, practice these math facts X number of times and in this way. And when in fact, not that's not the way every student learns. So I'm really advocating for more choice, more personalization for students, and for it to be time based not task-based. And what I mean by that is that students work at different speeds. And so I would prefer that teachers would be saying, spend 20 minutes on this task and then draw a line and work longer if you like, but you are not obligated to work longer than that. Uh, one thing I like that you suggest, you talk about um, maybe limiting the the amount that homework is worth, or I guess the, the weight of the grade that homework yes. has. Yes. Why, why is that a good idea? So when I started doing the research on the standards-based grading, and I looked at schools in which they weren't grading homework, and my work in Canada, the Canadian teachers uh, seldom grade homework or count it in the grade. They give feedback on it, but they don't count it in the grade. 
So what happens um, when homework counts too heavily in the grade is it, it muddies the picture of the student's achievement. So there are students who are hurt by not completing homework and taking a bad grade that maybe they're an A student, but they're getting a B because they're not doing the homework. And then we have students that are helped by homework that their mastery level is possibly a C, but they're padding their grade with the homework. And then they're turning out to be a B student when they're really not a B student. And so to me, it's the mismatch that happens when we weight it too heavily. And then one more thing is for students who either cannot or will not work at home, we're now punishing them for their home environment or for their lack of um, uh, persistence at home. And I just don't think that's fair and especially not fair to our children who live in poverty. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to get slightly personal on my own regard sure. um, with, with my kids. And, and you can tell me if I'm a, a bad or a good parent, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, right. But but so I, I had an eighth grader, or I have an eighth grader, and he's, you know, he's a high achiever in three AP courses. He's He was in a play. He was the lead role in the play um, while simultaneously, you know, doing soccer. And when all this stuff was kind of coming to a head, exams were coming up, he, he said, we were out in the car and he said, Dad, I, I'm falling behind at school. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm falling behind on my homework. And, and I never thought I would tell my, my child this, but I said, son, I was like, you are, you know, you're, you're excelling in all these places. Sometimes something has to give. I said, you know, you may just need to go to your teacher and say, you know, I'm in all this stuff and I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to turn this assignment in and that's okay. Like that's not the end of the world. And I mean, is that, is that good advice? I mean, should we try to, as parents, take some of that load off of them? I definitely think so. And what's interesting is that there is a huge growth right now in parent activism around homework in which parents are uh, are just saying no. Uh, my favorite story, a teacher uh, told me that uh, she got a homework assignment back from the student and the parent had written a note on it. No, thank you. <laughs> and I, I thought, yeah, that's what's happening is that parents are saying no, thank you. Uh, and and they're telling their kids that it's okay to not complete the work. It's weird that we've gotten here. I mean, how quickly did you see this evolve? I know. I mean, this is this is your specialty. I mean, did you, was this happening ten years ago? Um, no, I would say within the last ten years, maybe within, uh, especially within the last say five or six years. And it's just been a it's been a trend that's been starting and building. Um, and really starting to to catch fire, I would say, over the last maybe five to six years. Now, tell me a little bit about um, what what you do at your website. It's homeworklady.com. Well, I'm basically having that as a, it's a resource for teachers and for schools and parents if they're interested. Uh, and I'm just putting, I've just put some of my articles on there and uh, like where I'm going to be speaking next and um, basically just a resource for people um, to learn more about homework. And also they can email me from the, the website if they if they want to. And I, t- I take a lot of, I guess what I would call cold calls. I take a lot of emails from teachers or parents that just have questions. And um, I'm just, it's kind of my mission to try to educate people more about homework. I know Twitter is such a big uh, community for educators. Um, if somebody wants to keep up with you on there, uh, do you mind telling us your handle? 
Right. Um, I'm at I'm at real homework lady, except there's no A in the lady. There was someone else that was out there that was homework lady years ago. I already scooped that one. Yeah. So yeah. it's so it's real homework L D Y is my handle. All right, Kathy, we again appreciate your time and, and you taking the time to talk about this topic. Um, are you ready for our pop quiz? I'm ready for the pop quiz. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Wow. Probably math, because I don't think we I think some of the other things you might be able to pick up easier. And then I've now insulted everyone else except the math teachers. <laughs> nah. Um, what are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Mental health, stress, stress reduction. What does every child deserve? Wow. A teacher who cares. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Diversity. Diversity of learning styles and diversity of economics and parenting styles. And the list goes on. What's the best gift to give an educator? Time. Which teacher changed your life? Wow. My 10th grade math teacher. Can't remember his name, but it's a while ago. What did he do? He, um, I got to be his turnabout teacher. Um, I was uh, very good in math and um, loved math. And actually, he let me be his turnabout teacher. And at that point, I knew that's what I wanted to do for my life. And that's what I've done. And last question, pen or pencil? Pencil. So you can erase your mistakes. That's right. All right, Kathy, again, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. If you want to keep up with her, you can check out her website at homeworklady.com. Great. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you. So if you want to send us an idea or comment, remember, you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button. And we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter to search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ortega. Go, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.